Welcome to the Imago Day Eastside Gathering Podcast. Good morning, Imago Day. It's good to see you all this morning. Listen, I've got two quick announcements for you. First is this afternoon at 4 p.m., we are going to have our very first live Covenant Community webinar. All right. Now, at this webinar, we're going to talk about the vision for Imago Day over the next two years. We're going to talk about reopening the church and um, what our plan is for that and, and much, much more. Um, you'll also have an opportunity to Q&A with some leaders from Imago Day, Eastside and Central City campuses, respectively. Um, so to find out more information about that, go to the website, IDC pdx.com slash covenant, and you can get all of the information there. Second announcements is I want to encourage you to check out our impact report. So we put these reports together for the for the end uh, for the end of the year, and as we approach the end of this fiscal year, we want to share with you some of the highlights um, and stories from this past year. Now God has done some incredible things through a Mago Day community at both Central City and Eastside Campus, and we want to celebrate these things together with you, and want to make sure that you know of some of the things that you may not have heard of. So you can find that impact report again on our website at idcpdx.com/impact. Now this morning, we resume the series "We Are the Church." We came out of our series Risen, and now we are talking about us, the people of God, as the church. We are the church, a people baptized into new life with Jesus Christ. And now we go out to accomplish the mission of Jesus Christ as the church. But what does that look like? How do we accomplish it? Many of us have been taught an approach that looks kind of like a, a superhero on its lonesome or her lonesome, going out, doing the thing on their own. But the Bible gives us a very different picture of what accomplishing Jesus's mission looks like as the church. It's not a solo mission. Many places in the New Testament refer to the church as a body. Not just a body, but the body of Christ, the, the actual representation of Jesus Christ in the earth. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, is the head of the body, and we are referred to as the body of Christ. There's so much I want to get into that, but um, time is of the essence. Uh, Ephesians 4 tells us this, uh, that that. Christ himself, Jesus Christ himself, gave gifts to all of his people, and the leaders of the church are responsible to equip the church, the people, the congregation, for the work of ministry, for the work of service to one another, that we, the body of Christ, might be built up and become the mature body of Christ, of which Jesus is the head. So Jesus gave us to each other, underdeveloped, and by his spirit has given us the responsibility and the means to minister to one another, to participate in the growth and the maturity and the development of one another. See, there's this Greek word, uh, and I don't speak Greek, amen, uh, but there's this Greek word pronounced elelon, and it means one another, each other, mutually, reciprocally, 
It occurs about a hundred times in the New Testament, and most of those occurrences are specific commands teaching us how to and how not to relate to one another. And our obedience to these commands are crucial as we are not our own, and we don't exist to serve our own purposes, but to participate in the execution of the will of God, which is for our flourishing, our good, and his glory. So depending on where you come from and what your experiences have been, you may not like the idea of talking about the church as a body. Or another um, example or another analogy used in the scriptures or picture used in the scriptures is talking about the church as a family. And that might be because of the different experiences we've had, the, 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 the baggage and the preconceived notions and the, 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 the things we carry into the conversation. But I just want us today to, to just hear what God might have to say to you, to open up your heart, open up your mind. And I know that some of us have experienced this idea before in church. We're a family, we're a body, we depend on each other, we lean on each other. And maybe in your experience, you didn't experience the best of that. Maybe you were left feeling alone. Maybe you couldn't depend on those who said that they would be there forever. I'm not discounting anyone's experience, but I believe that there's something that God wants us to um, hear today together. So today, I just simply want to highlight some of the scriptures that speak to how we build each other up as the body of Christ, especially with the reality of our makeup. This Imago Day church, we are made up of different ethnicities, cultures, ages, political leanings. All of the differences that could exist, I believe, are found in this one church. We have opposing views on ideologies and philosophies and perspectives on every subject. And we live in a culture where these differences should divide us, where we're actually encouraged to once we recognize that these differences exist between us, that we should separate and no longer have dealings with those of the other perspective. And this is not unique to us. This is not unique to this moment. We are about to read words sent to groups of people who had nothing in common but a new faith and a new hope and a risen Savior, Jesus. They didn't know how to get along. They didn't know how to be. Yet Jesus has designed it that they could not make it without each other. That we cannot make it without each other. But the way to better, the way to maturity, the way to perfection is actually us loving, leaning into, and serving one another. Let's take a look at just some of these scriptures. In the face of a culture that says where we live, that we should seek out, again, the differences and divide over them, we're told in Romans 12 to be devoted to one another. Instead of putting others down to make ourselves appear more appealing or righteous or worthy. Romans 12 tells us to honor one another above ourselves. Though we might be prone to discord or causing confusion, we're told in Romans 12 to live in harmony with one another. Knowing that the devil is using everything in his power to tear us down and beat us down and throwing accusations and uh, uh, guilt and shame at us, 
Romans 14 tells us to build one another up. Though we might be tempted to hypocrisy and condemnation, we're told in Romans 15 to be Christ-minded toward one another, remembering how Christ has considered you and then considering the other that same way. Instead of rejecting on the basis of fear or judgment, Romans 15 tells us to accept one another. As the Spirit is leading and teaching you, Romans 15 tells us to instruct one another. As a, as a body, as a family, we let no one believe that they are in this alone. And so 1 Corinthians 12 tells us to care for one another. Don't be, con, don't be, we're told in Galatians 5 that we don't have to be so consumed with only our affairs and our goodness and, and making sure we're all right, but we are to serve one another. Even if you're not directly affected by a thing, when you see your sibling weighed down, another part of your body weighed down, Galatians 6 tells us to bear one another's burdens. Even though you will be scrutinized in, it for, in this age for doing this, just as Jesus has forgiven you, in Ephesians 4, we're told to forgive one another. And I know the people you're dealing with and talking to, they're not woke like you're woke. And I know well-meaning people say really silly things, but Ephesians 4 tells us to be patient with one another. And you don't have to accept this idea that loving someone means endorsing every word or action. But when necessary, Ephesians 4 tells us that we got to speak the truth to each other in love. Even in this very cultural moment, tensions are high and we're all experiencing trauma at various levels. But Ephesians 4 tells us to be kind and compassionate to one another. We should be filled with the spirit and speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, like Ephesians 5 tells us. Out of our reverence for Jesus the Christ, we should submit to one another, as Ephesians 5 tells us. Kendrick Lamar said, sit down, be humble, but Philippians 2 tells us to consider others better than ourselves. And I know sis is annoying and I know bro smell a little funny, but Colossians 3 tells us to bear with one another, even the smells. And recognizing that God has given us all of our gifts to be used in the church, we ought to be teaching and serving each other like we're told in Colossians 3. And sometimes you don't even have to use words but you can just be there to comfort one another, like we're told in 1 Thessalonians 4. And we prophesy and we speak life and we exhort one another, as we're told to do in Hebrews 3. And we stir up and provoke and stimulate one another to love and good works, as we're told to do in Hebrews 10. And as ones who were strangers to God, yet he welcomed us in and made room for us, we are told to show hospitality to one another in 1 Peter 4. And so that we might all be built up and God be praised, 
We're told in 1 Peter 4 to employ the gifts that God has given us for the benefit of one another. Every day, just like we put on our socks and our shoes and our drawers and everything else, 1 Peter 5 tells us to clothe ourselves with humility towards one another. And, and then we all can recognize that none of us will have lack if we all look to the interests of one another, as told in, in Philippians 2. These are just some of the ways that the scriptures tell us to love and serve and encourage and speak truth and correct and instruct one another for our own benefit, for our own building up. And the reality is this, you are someone's one another. We all partake in this system here. It's not about us looking out for ourselves. We all need to be looking out for one another. The, the, the picture I see is all of us scratching each other's back. But when I'm scratching your back, somebody's scratching my back. Now I don't gotta worry about my back because it's scratched. It needed that they say turn, I'm scratching your back, but somebody's still scratching my back. Now, what if we could live that way? Where truly, we don't even gotta worry about our own backs because we know that we have siblings, we have other parts of the body who are only concerned about our good like we're concerned about their good. No unscratched backs at Imago Day, okay? Now, why is all of this important? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta wrap up here. Our living this out forms the basis for all true Christian community. And it has a direct impact on our witness to the world. All of these commands, there's, there's, there's another in John 13, 34 and 35, where Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The church exists to put the glory of God on display for the world to see his beauty and his love and his community and his humility. So this is the life that we strive toward, to be the most accurate depiction as we can to the world of the image of God. We love one another in the rebuking, and the, and, the, and the being with, and the building up, and the encouraging, and the serving, and the speaking life into, and the prophesying to, all of these are ways that we love one another. And then there's the reality that we won't do this perfectly. We won't always be successful in living faithfully to each other, living faithfully to Jesus, we won't always be successful in resisting the enemy, but we don't have to even hide our shortcomings. 
We should actually find a sibling, find another member of the body, a mature, trustworthy sibling. And as James 5 tells us, confess our faults one to another. And then also in James 5, we got to remember to please, please, please always pray for one another. And once we've done that, we can actually rejoice because we know that the gospel allows us to not shame, not condemn, but to encourage one another. Because the reality is that our salvation isn't bound up in us doing this perfectly, but it's bound up in Christ, in the life he lived perfectly. Because we know that our grace has been given to us. It's not something that we earned. And we know that we don't deserve it. And we did nothing worthy enough to receive it. And we can do nothing to lose it. But it is simply a gift from God that we receive by grace through faith. And it is the truth of this gospel that we respond. And as we respond today, we're gonna to do so in three primary acts of worship. The first is in prayer. I wanna ask you to spend some time asking the Lord to reveal to you what work of ministry in the body he has gifted you for. And then I want you to be honest about the commands given to us, the body that we neglect or ignore. And then do the deeper work to even uncover the why. What lie from the enemy have we believed that makes God's desire and will for us seem less legitimate than what we have in mind? Because a lot of times we bring our mind and exalt it over his mind. But let's remember, in this body structure, Christ is the head. We are the body. And so we let this mind be in us, which is also in Christ Jesus. Secondly, we will respond in worship by taking communion as a way to remember what Jesus has done for us and to signify our personal and unending need, sorry, our perpetual, uh-huh, reading too fast, an unending need for him in our lives. So today, as you take that bread or that chip or that cracker that will represent his body, we acknowledge that it is because of his body that was broken for us that we are now members of his body. And as you take that juice or that wine or that Kool-Aid that represents his blood, make sure it's the red Kool-Aid if you're doing Kool-Aid, we acknowledge that as the body of Christ, it is his blood that was spilled for us and that washes away our sins and that cleanses us and that circulates through this body, us, making us one people, one body, one family, a living organism. And then lastly, we'll respond by singing. In just a minute, the youth team is gonna lead us 
in some musical worship as we sing praises to our God for the marvelous things that he has done. Let me pray for you. God, you are so good. And you are a God of abundance where there is no lack. And as we are now your disciples living to carry out your mission as your kingdom ambassadors, you've not left us to ourselves, but you've provided a means for us to be built up. And you've given us one another as a means to care for one another and to mature one another as we work toward your end for your glory. So God, I pray that we would learn to trust one another. I pray as the country continues to divide that you would continue to bring us closer together and that we would be a signpost of your kingdom and that when they see all of us of different persuasions and of different opinions and of different, different ideals coming together, loving each other, sacrificing for the sake of the other, I pray that it would show them something of what you are like, something, something about the unity that you have won for us on the cross, something of the humility that exists in the Trinity. May you be glorified forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>